Welcome, dear travelers, to our first brief sojourn beyond the veil of darkness. I am your humble host and guide, Morgan. Let my voice be your sanctuary as we prepare to hear from Alina on this week's episode, The Reflections. Brace yourselves, dear travelers, as your first descent into darkness begins now. I've spent countless hours going back and forth, contemplating whether to share this story. It's quite out there, even for someone like me who experienced it firsthand. Still, I'm hoping I'll be able to hear it at some point, because I'm really curious to hear what others make of what I went through. After all, it's not every day that you stumble upon something as strange as this. But enough about me. I'm really here to introduce you to the main character of this story, David. Now let me take you back to my childhood days, specifically one summer when I was about five years old. I remember it so vividly, thanks to a few less-than-pleasant milestones that helped me navigate the foggy memories. Back then, I was at my grandparents' apartment, which still holds a special place in my heart. It was always bustling with friends and family, a hub of activity where solitude was as rare as a unicorn, boredom non-existent. Beyond the apartment complex were rolling hills, and like clockwork, three times a day a train would emerge from the distance, winding its way through the landscape disappearing and reappearing behind the buildings. It became a comforting routine. Each night, as darkness descended, I would find myself sitting up in bed, listening to the distant chugging and gazing at the mesmerizing lights dancing in the distance outside my window. I was utterly captivated as the lights passed beyond each building until eventually fading into the dark. On one fateful night, as per my routine, I was wide awake, basking in the distant rumbling of a passing train. I eagerly watched the flickering lights as they zipped by, fireflies in the hills. But as the train retreated, something unexpected shattered the silence. A sound unlike anything I had heard before filled the air, an eerie fluttering, like the distant beating of a thousand wings, growing louder with each passing second. The clamor escalated, accompanied by the spine-chilling scrape of talons against the wall, then against the window pane. I was frozen in terror, unable to let out a single scream. All I could do was cover my ears and squeeze my eyes shut, hoping it would all end soon. 
And then, just as abruptly as it began, the noise stopped, disappearing wholly into the night. As the chaos subsided, a gentle glow from a nearby street lamp cast a reassuring light. Everything seemed normal again, and I cautiously opened my eyes. To my horror, a shadow loomed by the window of my grandparents' sixth-floor apartment. Now, it wasn't a towering skyscraper or anything, but it was certainly far too high for any ordinary person to climb. It was the kind of height that assured us we didn't need to worry about locking our windows. I was frozen in time. What I was witnessing was outlandish, and everything was happening at such a rapid pace that my young brain struggled to keep up. And then the window began to creak open, slowly and agonizingly, dragging against the unrelenting frame. Then the shadow figure climbed through and perched on the ledge. Its silhouette was darker than the night around it, and I noticed how its legs, dangling and swinging like pendulums, mirrored my own small stature. From this mysterious figure, a voice emanated, a whisper of reassurance. You're okay now, it said. With such a sweet voice, I believed it to be smiling in the dark. Thanks, I managed to mutter, finally releasing my hands from my ears. As I settled down a little and began paying attention, I noticed that he appeared to be my age. Just a little boy. With that realization, a sense of relief washed over me, melting away some of my fear. Who are you? I mustered the courage to ask. Me? He chuckled, his legs and feet still swinging, as if my question was the most amusing thing in the universe. I'm David, he revealed, leaning closer, the first visible features of his shadowy form coming into view. His hair was short, ending just past his ears and in the darkness I could tell it had a slight ashy or golden tinge. And those eyes, they were unlike any I had ever seen before. They shimmered with an otherworldly shade of green, vivid, intense, almost ethereal. It was as if there was a hidden light glowing behind those mesmerizing orbs. I found myself unable to look away. You can go back to sleep now, Alina. I'll make sure they don't come back, he whispered. Something about his voice was so comforting, I didn't even flinch at him knowing my name without me telling him. I think about this meeting more often than I should. I remember his words, his voice, his too-sharp grin. I remember his perfection, and how, as if on command, I eased myself back down and drifted off into slumber. I didn't hesitate to trust his instruction, 
I honestly don't know if I could have. The next morning greeted me with no sign of David. It was as if nothing had happened. Night came, and I listened once again to the passing train before falling asleep. Still, no sign of David. In fact, it would be years until he would visit me again. This particular visit occurred during the holiday season, and I believe I was eight or nine here, as my parents hadn't moved from our apartment yet, but had separated, perhaps around Christmas or New Year's. I remember my mom fussing over me, dressing me up in a fancy red and green velvet tartan dress complete with matching satin shoes. My wild hair, which always seemed to have a mind of its own, was tamed into tight French braids. With a clear mission in mind, I settled down on the floor of the foyer where we had a full-length mirror, crossing my legs, and emptied a pile of tiny butterfly clips into my lap. As I began adorning my braids with the colorful clips, something peculiar happened. I caught sight of my reflection in the full-length mirror and realized that something was amiss. My reflection's eyes, normally a deep brown, had transformed into a vibrant emerald green, almost unnaturally so. They possessed a captivating glow that sent shivers down my spine, and then, to my astonishment, my reflection did something unexpected. It smiled, then grinned, before erupting into the most enchanting laughter. The reflection waved happily at me, and I recognized it to be David in my form. I giggled in response and waved back. You look so pretty, David's voice resonated from my reflection with a soft sigh, as if he was proud of what he was imitating. Without missing a beat, my reflection and I continued our butterfly-clipping adventure, getting my hair ready for whatever event we were expected to attend. Only, here's the thing, I wasn't the one in control. It was as if David had taken hold of my hands, expertly placing the clips in my hair with mischievous delight. My laughter grew louder and louder, reaching a point where my mother, curious about the commotion, came to investigate. By the time I managed to explain that I was simply conversing with my friend David, my reflection had returned to its ordinary state. Once again, David had vanished. Following that peculiar incident, I wouldn't catch a glimpse of David for about five years. However, that didn't mean he wasn't there. Whenever fear threatened to overwhelm me, I could feel his unseen presence wrapping around me in a comforting embrace, offering solace and reassurance. Out of everything I'm sharing, it's funny that this would be the weirdest one to me, but I could see him in my mind. It was different from picturing a flower 
or recalling a memory, because no matter how much the surroundings changed, he would be there. I could interact with him there, and I could hear his voice as if he were right beside me. He would always call me Lena, our affectionate little nickname, but ultimately he possessed a mischievous talent for playing tricks, often swiping small items from around the house, my belongings only, of course only to promptly return them with a simple plea of David, I need that, or David, come on. In a flash, the items would reappear right where I had left them. He particularly had this knack for mischief when I was knee-deep in homework, snatching away an eraser just as I reached for it, or making off with a pen or a protractor. Remember those? At times, late into the night, I would spot a shadowy figure in the corners of my room. It gave me an odd sense of tranquility, like a warm blanket on a cold winter night. Although I never caught a glimpse of David's emerald eyes or heard his voice during those moments, I always believed that shadow to be him. And I found solace in the belief that I had a guardian, a hidden big brother watching over me. Then my life fell apart as I knew it. My family uprooted our lives, moving to a new country. My name changed. My friends changed. Everything was chaos, and I thought I had bid farewell to David forever. But it didn't even take a full year for him to resume his usual antics, creeping back into my life with a vengeance. As time went on, however, I began to sense a shift in his demeanor. That lingering presence. The eyes boring into the back of my skull. That feeling seemed to intensify when I was in vulnerable situations say getting changed, or taking a shower. What was once a brotherly figure to me started to take on a more possessive tone. Yes, I know, I was a dumb teenager and I will admit it. I found the idea of having a ghost boyfriend pretty thrilling. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. But then, at the ripe age of 13, I had my first real kiss, followed by my first real boyfriend, and, well, David became a distant memory. Life carried on. I spent time with my boyfriend, hung out with my friends, and pursued various interests. The paranormal, which had always fascinated me, took a back seat in my priorities. I simply didn't have time for it then. But little did I know that things were about to take a sinister turn. There's one particular night etched into my memory. A night when I found myself alone in the house, as I often did, unfortunately, during my childhood. 
After scarfing down a bowl of homemade french fries, I settled in to watch an episode of King of the Hill on the TV. One of those 90s TVs with the VCR slot in the bottom that all weighed a hundred pounds. That's when things started to get a bit weird. The TV signal started acting up, switching between fragmented snippets of dialogue and bursts of aggressive, deafening static. Annoyed and eager to silence the cacophony, I reached for the remote control, only to realize it was nowhere to be found. I flipped over the blanket, rummaging through every pillow in a desperate search. When I finally looked up from my futile hunt, all that remained on the screen was an unsettling wall of static. Determined to put an end to it, I approached the television and pressed the power button, only to have it defiantly turn itself back on as soon as my finger released. Confusion mingled with frustration as I convinced myself that I must have accidentally pressed the button twice. In a fit of exasperation, I took a deep breath and yanked the plug from the socket, plunging the room into abrupt silence and darkness. Feeling a sense of calm returning, I turned around and headed back towards my couch. But just as I was about to crawl beneath the safety of the blanket, the static roared back to life. Time seemed to freeze, and an icy chill crawled up my spine. I turned my gaze back to the television, my heart pounding in my chest. The plug remained disconnected, yet the blaring static persisted, defying all logic and reason. Tears began to stream down my face. Though I can't recall if I had consciously started crying or if it was the sheer terror that gripped me. Stumbling backwards, I hastily wrapped myself in the blanket, leaving just a small gap to peek through. Static from the TV pierced the air, making me yearn for silence but there was no way I was going anywhere near that damned thing. And then, my eyes fixated on the wall. There, a looming shadow. My heart raced, pounding in my chest as the shadow began to shift ever so slowly. It slithered along the wall beside me and then crept its way towards the wall behind me, the one next to the couch before abruptly descending. Panic surged through my veins as something seized my ankles, yanking me downward. I felt the chilling grip of invisible hands forcibly pulling my arms above my head. And then, with a horrifying jolt, my limbs were yanked away from my body. The sensation of stretching, tearing, intensifying with every moment. Amidst my agonized sobs, I screamed out in despair, begging for someone to help. help me. But there was no respite. Nothing could abate the relentless assault on my body. 
In a desperate frenzy, I found myself calling out to David, his name a desperate plea on my lips. Help me! I cried out, the words ringing out into the void. And in an instant, as if in response to my plea, the shadow dissipated, whisked away by an unseen force. The pulling ceased, but the pain, the excruciating sensation of my joints being wrenched apart lingered on. I lay on the floor, unable to move, my body paralyzed by agony. And in the darkness, I felt David's presence. I felt his reassuring embrace, providing a glimmer of safety amid the chaos. Though I remained motionless, trapped in my anguish, I found solace in his touch. The attacks, although not as vicious as the initial one, persisted relentlessly for over two years, only stopping when I called out for David. All of this until my at-the-time boyfriend and I broke up. There began a new chapter in our story that still haunts me. I was just about 16, if memory serves me right. I was at school, for some reason without my backpack, and my arms filled with my notebooks, books, pencil case, phone, everything really. Oblivious to my surroundings, I absentmindedly approached the doors of one of the building's wings. Just my luck, I collided headfirst into a pull door just as someone on the other side pushed it open. The impact sent my body bouncing back, then I landed unceremoniously on my butt, surrounded by my scattered belongings. I mumbled one embarrassed apology after another, my face burning with shame. To my surprise, the person I had inadvertently bumped into showed kindness, stooping down to give me a hand with my possessions. Though I didn't have the courage to meet their gaze, I found myself fixated on their shoes, and although it was likely a boy, adding an extra layer of humiliation to my already mortifying situation, I couldn't help but feel a strange sense of familiarity. On my knees, I collected all of the items, and then I felt a pair of hands reaching out. They firmly grasped the back of my arms, lifting me back to my feet. Be careful, Lena, their voice cautioned, and in response, my stomach twisted up into knots. I stood there, frozen, my eyes locked onto their shoes my mind just spiraling around how. I finally mustered the courage to look up, and there they were, those piercing green eyes, that too sharp grin in the messy blonde hair. He seemed as real as I was, as aged as I was. And as I write these words, I can feel a mixture of pain and anger gripping my stomach. Because I had loved him so truly that this encounter felt like a precious gift in that moment. 
He brushed off the dirt from my clothes, inspected me briefly for injuries, then held the door to the building open for me, beckoning me to pass through. I'll catch you later, okay? He said, his smile never wavering, his gaze casually observant. But beneath the surface, beneath the happy facade, lay the truth I was too stubborn to admit. I walked through the open doorway, not uttering a single word, only fixated on him. I was even walking backwards away from him because I couldn't look away. And he just stood there, still holding the door, that same disconcerting smile etched upon his face. I was consumed by an inexplicable happiness. It's infuriating as I write this, but I want you to understand that back then, as a naive and foolish girl, I was exuberant. David, in physical form, had appeared before me. We had interacted with objects in the real world together. He was undeniably real. Trying to find the right words to describe him is no easy task. It's not just me who witnessed him. I've had girlfriends, my mother, and friends encounter him too. For a whopping four years, he trailed after me, a lingering specter in the periphery of my life. And even after all that, it tore me apart that he couldn't be a constant companion, a physical presence, forever tethered to our world not realizing he was tethered to me. For four years, he would just materialize out of thin air, heading to catch the bus. Boom! There he was, waiting at the bus stop, doing some grocery shopping. Surprise! He's lurking in the parking lot, going for a casual drive. You better believe he'd be standing and waving on every street corner I pass. Looking back, I can clearly see a distinction between spirit David and physical David. In his physical form, he was, well, physically present, but there was always this distance, like he couldn't push all the way through. Conversations were short, if they happened at all. He seemed content just showing up, flashing that enigmatic smile and waving from a safe distance. It was as if being in that form was a major struggle for him, like he had to stay away to maintain the facade. Now, when it came to the spiritual realm, David had full control. The possibilities were endless and that's what makes him even more unsettling. Back when I was 20, there was this long stretch of time where I hadn't seen him, and I missed him quite terribly. I craved the connection we had, and again, I would like to say that this was the entity that I had known since I was a little girl, an entity that had been with me through various experiences. It isn't unusual to miss someone that takes up so much space in your life. And out of the blue, he appeared in my dream. 
Now, this dream of David, it was the first and only time he ever visited me in my slumber. I wake up in the dream. But instead of being confined to my earthly form, I'm this ethereal spirit floating aimlessly through the vast expanse of the universe. It's like I'm still me, but also not me anymore. I am light, contained into a physical shape somehow, but looking at my hands, I was pure light. Then there, right in front of me, stands David. He's wearing this cloak and tunic, almost like something you'd see in ancient Roman times. But it's not just an ordinary garment. No, this thing looks like a galaxy itself draped around him in rich purples, blues, and whites. I mean, imagine wearing a whole galaxy. It was so beautiful. His trademark mop of hair floats around in the vacuum of space. That same too-sharp grin I knew so well is plastered across his face. But his eyes, they're all black through and through, as black as the void behind him. It looked like David, but felt wrong. Who are you? Me? <laughs> I'm David, he answers, throwing his arms up in the air. And that's when the cloak draping over his shoulders explodes into a mesmerizing display of sparkling stars, wisps of multicolored smoke, and screaming shadow faces. And just like that, he lowers his arms. Prince of dreams, he adds before reaching a hand out to me. That was it. That's how the dream ended. I don't remember if I ever took his hand, but after that haunting dream, everything changed. The David I once knew vanished, replaced by an entirely new version with each subsequent encounter. This David, if you can even call it that, manifested in the shadows, lurking within reflections in the mirror. It was as if darkness itself had taken a physical form. Gone was any semblance of beauty, replaced by a sinister entity crafted from the very essence of my own nightmarish realms. I noticed that this new David possessed talons. Wicked, sharp talons that reminded me of what I'd heard against the walls of my building all those years ago. It relished in trying to control my limbs, and when that failed, he would simply touch any joint on my body, and it would feel like the joint was being stretched apart, a lot like how it felt when the shadow in my youth would torment me. I can't even find words to describe the suffocating sensation of having it slither under my skin an unwelcome guest seeking to claim every inch of my being. It demanded more of me. 
a relentless hunger that pushed me to the brink of my sanity. For two long decades, I had been haunted by this insidious creature, this manipulative entity that deceived me into believing that I needed it. And when that no longer worked, he resorted to violence against me. No longer the loving, caring partner in crime. By this point, I had dropped out of university and ran away from my family in a stupid ploy to protect them. I was terrified that harm would come to anyone near me. I was convinced, but really this was his intention, to alienate me from those who cared. He succeeded. It didn't take long before I reached a breaking point. A moment of unbearable torment where I decided I wanted everything to end. And I lost myself and did the unthinkable. But I survived. And when I came to, there was no David. And when I got home, there was no David. He had vanished like the bad dream he was. Whatever tethered us together, having snapped. May he never plague another soul. So, my friend, be cautious. Keep your eyes open. Don't make the same mistakes I did. And if you ever find yourself face to face with your reflection, and they wave at you, shatter it. You deserve Better than some bullshit demon. Love, Alina. What a way to kick off our first ever episode. Thank you, Alina, for sharing this story with us. It's very brave to share something so incredibly vulnerable and to let us kick off this season with such a thorough retelling of what I can only assume is an attempted possession. I can see how David would have made a great friend. How he could easily pull someone in to trust him. He seems so gentle. But remember, dear travelers, to be cautious. The dark has many faces. If you have a story of your own, don't hesitate to submit it to spectralsojourns at gmail.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram or Facebook at Spectral Sojourns. Now, as we bid you farewell, dear travelers, let tonight's tale be a reminder that the boundary between horror and reality is but a fragile thread, ready and willing to unravel. Tread softly as you emerge from the abyss, and may the whispers of this spectral sojourn haunt your dreams till next we meet. Sleep well, if you can. <laughs>